Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen. If you're a Twitter user, you're probably aware of two social media hack attacks this week targeting Rogers radio stations, News 95.7 Halifax and News 1130 in Vancouver. Colored with offensive language and containing a threat indicating CTV could be next, a group that's dubbed itself the Spank Gang has taken credit. The same group that hacked the account of Canadian Senator Linda Frum earlier this month. Joining me from Momentum Media Marketing, Broadcast Dialogue's parent company, are my colleagues and in-house digital experts, James Wallace, Director of Digital Strategy, and Christian Lind, Creative Producer, to shed some light on how this happened. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Let's start with you, Christian. Who are the Spank Gang, and is there any indication what their motivation could be? Well, um, looking at their Twitter account, it seems like they're just young kids trying to uh, discover their powers with the internet and how to hack accounts and trying on a dare to go bigger and bigger every time. Um, I mean... It started with a bang with the senator, but it seems like the, um, the Halifax hack was really um, trying to see if they could do it. And then they went on a bigger market, which is the Vancouver station. They posted a tweet with the Halifax account talking about CTV news, almost as a dare. Um, they're trying to get publicity and that's why they use colorful and trying to offend as many people as possible just to leave a trace and make themselves known in the um, infosec community. Do you find it interesting that something like this hasn't happened up until this point? I think it probably already has happened. And we haven't really been made aware of the fact that it has actually occurred. Probably a lot of media accounts in Canada have been compromised at some point. Uh, This particular one it occurred probably not that difficult, probably not a particularly technically savvy group, but it does need to be considered that these people had control of these accounts for six hours, seven hours, six hours. So uh, this is a fairly heavy security infraction. So James, how does this happen? Um, Essentially people are pulling off the shelf pieces that they're getting online scripts and whatnot. And, they're just brute forcing their way into accounts, N- not manually. They're obviously running scripts against the account to try and get in and, and garner access. Unfortunately, a lot of these accounts are just sort of dilly-dally set-up pieces where uh, larger-scale organizations aren't really keeping much track of what they're doing security-wise, and then it comes back to bite them, and uh, that's what's occurred here. So for those of us who aren't digitally savvy, can you explain how a scripts attack would take place? Essentially, the individual who would be trying to do the infraction is probably just running um, a series of written software, I guess you could say, that is really just brute forcing. What it's doing is it's just continually running uh, passwords until it finds a way to get in. And once they're in, then they just change all the passwords so that the owner of the account can't get back into the account account that's actually been hacked. 
So how can media companies protect themselves? What would you be doing if you worked at, let's say, Bell Media to make sure that you're not the next target? Most of them probably aren't at this point using enterprise solutions to drive their social platforms. So ultimately, there would be no reason for any individual within an organization to ha truly have the username and password to each individual Twitter account or Facebook account or whatnot. And they would access that all of those accounts through an enterprise solution that would provide them with access, but could also provide the ability for any given company like Bell or whoever it may be to be able to shut all of it down whenever possible. This way, there's no reason for anyone within the organization to ever actually truly have a username and password for any particular Twitter account or anything. They have a password, username and password to, to access the enterprise solution to be able to post to accounts and reply and whatnot, but they don't ever actually physically have the username and password for Facebook, for Twitter, or any of that. What would an example of an enterprise solution be, and are they widespread in terms of their adoption? They're, they're fairly widespread, especially on larger media, in, within most larger media organizations. Obviously, some of them, well, by these infractions, obviously not all of them. Um, but, you know, larger pieces like Hootsuite, uh, Omniture, and things like that. They, they're enterprise solutions that a company would pay on a monthly to be able to, to set up and then, you know, dole usernames and passwords. And this would all be controlled within their own internet technology IT uh, department who would be ultimately responsible for keeping all of the accounts secure at any given point. So are there any other best practices that you would implement as a media organization? Christian? I think really it's about making sure um, everything is secure, that every, every social account has a two-factor authentication. Um, but in this case, would two-factor have made a difference? No. No, but in this case, they were not trying to do really any harm because once someone has access to the account, they could have changed um, the email, the phone number associated with it, and it would have been much, much more difficult um, for um, those companies to gain access back to this account. So that was not really, it was mischievous, but it was not malicious in the way it was done. Make sure you have strong password, make sure when there's a, a change in staff, change those things. Have uh, some alarms or some, um, I forgot the word. Um, notifications. Notifications, so when something is posted that contains certain words, someone gets the email right away so you know there's an issue. I'm gonna take some example of our clients. For some of our clients, I've set up a whole bunch of alerts so if certain words, certain negative word, offensive word, or um, word predicated to, the, to that field are saying said in conjunction to the name of a company um, on social network, I get an alert. That tells me right away, hey, on this social platform, someone posted this with that message. So not only in case an account is hacked, but also if a talent is being threatened, or if there's um, yeah, if there's a threat against a talent, this would automatically notify me of an issue, which as the person in charge of those accounts, 
I can act upon right away. Okay, so let's say you are in a small newsroom, uh, you know, with limited resources in terms of your IT department. What's what are you know maybe the first three things that you do today, right now, to protect yourself? Random password generation should happen right now. I mean, obviously, every media organization in this country should be a little bit alarmed at this point, and any anyone can be changing usernames and passwords for their accounts. There's no IT required to do that. Uh, those passwords should be, if at all possible, you're going to be using um, uh, two-tier two authentication. You're going to change passwords that it's, you know, obviously it's not your mother's maiden name and that kind of thing. Um, and ultimately, it should be confined, the, the access to these accounts should be confined to as few people as possible within an organization. It's understandable that all of these organizations may run 24-hour affairs and whatnot, but there has to be some control over who's accessing accounts at any given point, which right now, I don't think that that's actually a consideration. So, Christian, you pay attention to, uh, you know, the online back chatter. Do you want to talk about, you know, where you think the Spank Gang is uh, is sort of headed in terms of its activities? Well, they've posted using um, the Alifax Station account their next targets. I'm quite surprised that there's only one Canadian uh, reporter following following them, especially as they're posted um, their account and heavily promoted who they are. The first thing I did when I saw those hacks was let's follow them, let's see what they're saying, let's see what they're gonna do. Um, if I was the company naming those tweets, I would follow them because of course, if they, first off, if they named an account saying this is our next target, that means they've already done some preparation. They might already have access to that account. And this is just to test the waters, see how um, the security and the ITs are going to respond to this. If there's no response, they're just going to move ahead and hack that account and post offensive things. But it's surprising that no one's following them from those group. The, the ITs, the reporter from those group, should follow them because the first thing they're going to do once they're going to act that account, they're going to post on their own account like, hey, see what we've done. Yeah. So that's the best. There's some prevention to do. It's not just about reacting to a hack. There's something that has to be before it happened. Everyone can be a target. It can happen to everyone, but you can prepare yourself to it. And when someone starts going around and going on a spree like that and, and naming targets, if you are one of them, you want to be aware of what they're doing. Ultimately, it's a challenge uh, for IT infrastructure to keep up with what's going on in regards to hacks, especially in social. But it needs to be considered at this point pretty heavily uh, because a path in through your social channels may actually also be a path into your entire organization because um, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of reuse of passwords reuse of usernames and so on and so forth and it needs to be heavily weighed that these people these people being the people hacking these accounts this is a game and they are ultimately challenging each other to one up each other so for every one of these hacks that occurs today another larger one will occur tomorrow 
the one that's taken place in Halifax is really just like Christian has said, it's just really just a tester. I would suspect that these people actually already have access to other multiple accounts. Okay. Do you think this is a glaringly overlooked area organizationally in general? It's a horrible overlooked area on any organization that in that is dealing with uh, social platforms um, and especially media organizations who obviously have to be involved in that realm but are just really just taking a, a very laissez-faire approach to how they're doing it uh, you know reporters posting to Twitter from a web-based client in a Starbucks connected to completely insecure Wi-Fi accounts and so on and so forth. This is a bad path that will, it, it will come back to bite really hard. And, you know, not just from a security standpoint, uh, a lot of liability involved, um, uh, brutal hit on your brand equity and any trustworthiness, especially for news organizations. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Connie. Do I have to say thank you? (laughs) Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.